I have a subject today that's very near and dear to me. I hope that I can in some way do it justice. If not, it's not the Lord's fault, it's mine. The subject today is the Lamb's wife. Can't even hardly say it. (laughs) It has been that way for two or three months that I've been trying to prepare for this. I have rejoiced over and over and over again sitting by myself at home. Nothing but the Word of God and the Spirit of God and reading these things. It's rich. It's rich. If you have your Bibles and would like to read along, we'll be reading from Revelations, the 19th chapter, the 7th through the 9th verse. Revelations 19 and 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her it was granted that she should be... <laughs> oh, don't, don't tell me how many times I read this. It just... And to her it was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he said unto her, Write, Blessed are they which are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Now I'm going to talk for just a brief moment about who is the Lamb. Brother Aaron mentioned the lamb this morning, the lamb that is worthy in Revelations. The lamb that was seen as a lamb slain. The friend of the bridegroom ought to know when he looked up and said, Behold the lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. The scriptures refer to the church as the bride of Christ. We can find in Ephesians 5, 23 through 32. I won't read all those. Very familiar scripture to all of you, I'm sure. But Ephesians 5, 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands, In everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. In the 32nd verse, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now, our definition of the church is different than most all of 
Christianity, and I use that word loosely, a lot of the world believes that everyone that's been saved is part of this mystical universal church and will then be part of the bride of Christ. We believe in a local body of baptized believers, a physical body as the one that our Lord and Savior set up while He walked here upon the earth and not the day of Pentecost. And those that have followed after her from that church of the same faith and practice. Now we find in 2 Corinthians 11 and 2, uh, Paul was writing to the church at Corinth. He says, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have uh, espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. I'm going to talk about uh, the espousal period or uh, the betrothal period, uh, which would be uh, the same thing. And each time that uh, a spouse or espoused is used in the New Testament, uh, it refers back to being betrothed. Now, we believe that the church is the bride of Christ I believe also that the church is right now the espoused bride of Christ. The wedding has not yet taken place. Uh, we read about that uh, in the future in Revelations. I want to talk about uh, from where she comes and the songs of Solomon says, "Who is that cometh from the wilderness?" Leaning upon her beloved. It's a beautiful book. It's, it's not a preached on that much, but it is concerning our Lord and His bride. And there is intense love there uh, between the two. It is a mutual love. And when the wedding uh, or uh, the supper takes place, or uh, one day, it will still be a mutual love between the two. Amen. Now, not only do I want to talk about from where she comes, I want to talk about her virtuous qualities, her character, and faithfulness. <laughs> and then lastly, I want to talk about her beauty. Marisa and I began to read before uh, she took ill and, and passed. We, we began to study about uh, customs of ancient uh, weddings and ceremonies and uh, these things that took place in the time of Jesus Christ. And uh, he, he used things around him to, uh, to, uh, to show many wonderful biblical truths. And we were wondering if there was something there that we could uh, grab hold of and have a better understanding of what our Lord was saying to His disciples. He spoke to His disciples many times uh, about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, he, uh, there is much in there that He talked about. And He talked about it a lot more than we, we talk about it today. Now, in, in our studies we found... 
about a Galilean wedding. Now, the Galilean wedding customs were unique from all other regions. Jerusalem or anywhere else in Judah. Uh, there was none like them. They were considered like Macon County. <laughs> they were backwater. And no one wanted to take up their customs. They had their own customs. And they had their own customs concerning marriage. Uh, Jesus was from Galilee. His apostles were Galileans. And when he referred back uh, to these things, they knew exactly what he was talking about. Now, we want to in this study explore those customs in more depth and highlight their importance in Jesus' teachings. Now, in a Galilean wedding, there was a position held in high esteem. I'm not talking about the lamb. I'm not talking about the lamb's wife. I'm talking about another. He was the friend of the bridegroom. We find in John 3 and 28, Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice, that my joy therefore is fulfilled. And we know that John was sent uh, to this world it was prophesied in the old scriptures that he was sent to make a way for the Lord. He was sent to prepare the bride of Christ. Amen. He preached to them, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he baptized them as directed of God. He had full authority to do that. And through uh, that preparation of uh, that church that I mentioned earlier was established, our Lord being the chief cornerstone. And we can find in a Galilean wedding uh, that the bridegroom had a large part in what took place there. It was a very important position, not, well, I'm just a friend of the bride. No, it was a very, very important position uh, to be in. Uh, in a Galilean wedding, the groom would go to the gates of the city of which... He and the bride lived. Where there would be many witnesses. The prospective bride would be summoned. The father of the groom would be in attendance. The father would offer gifts to the bride. The groom would ask the bride to be his wife. She would answer in the affirmative or negative. If she answered in the affirmative, they entered into a covenant. The groom would drink of wine and then offer it to the prospective bride. This was important. If she drank the wine, it sealed the covenant. 
The groom's last words were, <laughs> now this is real, people. In a Galilean wedding, the words of the groom were, after she drunk of that wine, I will not drink from this cup again until I drink it with you in my father's house. <laughs> That's why I've been shouting for two months. <laughs> and then almost the exact words of our Lord in Matthew 26 and 29, as he told his disciples there in the upper room, they knew exactly what he was talking about. This is to be our husband, and we are to be his bride. And do you want to drink? But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. There is an offer and there's an acceptance. Now, do we have a parallel of that in the Word of God? If you want to turn over there, you can. I'm sure all of you are very familiar with it in Genesis 24. We can find how that Abraham, after Sarah had died, that Isaac uh, was depressed and he needed a bride. And, and Abraham had his servant, the servant that was over everything that he had. Uh, that, I believe that is the Holy Spirit of God. He says, I want you to go to my own people and to my own kindred. I don't want a bride of Isaac from uh, the uh, Canaanites. I, I want you to go to my people and my kindred, and I want you to go get a bride for Isaac. Now, he says, pre-adventure the woman will not be willing to follow me. To this land. What am, what am I going to do then if she is not willing? He said, And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this oath. She had a say so of whether she wanted to go with him and be the bride of Isaac. And I tell you what, brothers and sisters, we have. I did it again, Brother Weedy. You're not under any obligation if she says she won't come with you. And I tell you what, those that enter into the marriage supper of the Lamb, that bride has been willing and has always been willing to be a bride of Christ. Amen. Now, on further in that chapter, her brother and her mother said, let the damsel abide with us a few days. At the least ten, after that she shall go. And he said unto them, hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way, and send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, we will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. Okay, let her stay at least ten days. 
Ask her, what does she want to do right now? And it said, they called Rebekah and said unto her, wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. (laughs) You may not remember when you may have said, I do. (laughs) Like the brother mentioned earlier today, when he was there with Peter and they had been fishing, Peter said, (laughs) said they forsook everything that they had. I tell you what, brothers and sisters, uh, these brothers over here has been on this journey a long, long time. And a long time ago, I believe they said in their heart, I'm going to forsake everything that I have. Now, I want to talk about, I, I didn't even know that was there, the, bet, the betrothal. Is a period between the marriage covenant and the marriage supper, typically about one year. Every time the term espoused is used in the New Testament, it's referring to be betrothed, as I've already said. Two things take place during the betrothal or espousal period after they have made this covenant, they don't have any interactions, so to speak. In that way, they are considered husband and wife. But they have not consummated their marriage. Uh, And it was the husband's place to go back to his father's house and start building her a room. And he would build the room, and and through this year's period, he would build the room, and uh, he would build and prepare uh, the furniture. He did it with great care and loving. And then I think about what our Lord said in John 14. As he told his disciples, see again, they knew exactly what he was talking about. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I want to interject something right here. I don't think that mansions is a good word for what the original Greek says. And I don't think it agrees with what I'm trying to tell you here today. I I, I preached something similar to this not too long ago. And one sister says, Brother Swindle, I'm disappointed. I always wanted a mansion. I said, I still may be wrong, sister. I don't know. I believe people have a picture of mansions lined up street after street after street. That word there means abode. That word means a room in the Father's house. 
And that's exactly where I want to be. The relationship of Christ and his bride, he's not going to send him off to some other house somewhere. When we got off of our honeymoon, we, we, got, we got back to Lafayette late and we'd rented a house. We wasn't going to have possession of it till that day. We went to Marisa's mom and dad's and they says, why don't you just wait till tomorrow? <laughs> you can imagine what I said. You just stay here. I, no, I don't believe so. <laughs> I wanted to take my bride to our house. And I wanted to be with her. The bride must prepare as well. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come. And his wife hath made herself ready. Now what do you think that means? I think it means exactly what it says. Now, with some variation to that. It didn't say that God had made her ready. If you don't believe me, listen to W.T. Russell's study in, in Revelation. He'll back me up on it. She made herself ready. But I want to talk about uh, how she made herself ready as well. And her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. I've told a story about Maurice and I to a lot of places. It was so dear to me. Still is, always will be. She didn't have a, a lot of money. Her, her parents didn't have a whole lot of money. They didn't have enough money to go out and buy her a wedding gown. She says, that's okay, I'll make mine. And she was a seamstress. She's a very good seamstress. She, she sold everything that she had. So she began to gather together uh, the, uh, the material. And she began uh, to order all of those things and, and go to the fabric shop and everything. She was excited. You know what the Lord is wanting to see out of us? He's wanting to see excitement. He wants us to be excited. To be his bride. He wants to see us preparing for that supper. Now, I looked in the back of the closet a few months ago and I saw her wedding dress hanging there. You can imagine from all, what all I've been through this past year, how that, how that touched me. I took that gown and I took it to a place where they, they cleaned it, they whitened it, they preserved it, and they put it in a box and they sealed it. If my house catches fire tonight, you know what's going to be the first thing I carry out of there? Is <laughs> her wedding dress. 
That means more to me than anything else around there. And if I had to, I'd decide whether everything in the house went or her wedding gown went. I'll take the gown every day. Because what that represented to me is how much she loved me. What that represented to me is how much she cared about me and cared enough to do that for me. She was so particular. I don't know how in the world she got me. I don't. She says, I noticed when you come up here that one of your socks is always inside out. It's the way mama folded them. I'd pull them out and put them on. And she wouldn't even sit down till I got there. Uh, I'm afraid she wouldn't mess up the creases in her pants. I thought that was a bit excessive, but it meant something to me. Why don't we talk about the marriage supper of the Lamb any more than we do, brothers? Our Lord talked about it continually. Even more than we probably even understand. I've got to hurry. Uh, Preparation. You say, is it enough to be saved? Well, it's enough to be saved to go to heaven. W.T. Russell says, I'm going to heaven and and all the, the devils in hell cannot stop me. And I hope to be in the bride of Christ. And I feel exactly the same way. And from studying this and from studying over and over and over again, my prospects are lessened every time I pick up the Word of God. But I still rejoice over it. Now, to get some clarity in what I'm trying to to bring out, uh, I want to turn over to Esther. As she was preparing herself to go in unto the king. In Esther 2 and 9 is what I'll read first. And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him. And he speedily gave her her things for purification, which such things as belonged to her, and seven maidens which were meet to be given her out of the king's house, and he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of women. Now, why did she need a purification? She was a virgin. It clearly states that. But she needed further purification before that she went into the house of the king. And Revelations, I'll go back to that, Revelations 19 and 8. And to her was granted or given that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. It is given to us through the Holy Spirit Everything that we need uh, to uh, make ourselves holy and presentable to the God. Now, the preparation is uh, the uh, bride, the actions, as well as the Holy Spirit, and both are necessary. Now, Esther 2 and 12, now when every maid's turn 
was come to go into the king Ahasuerus. After that, she had been 12 months according to the manner of the women. For so were the days of their purifications accomplished to wit six months with oil of myrrh and six months with sweet, uh, sweet odors and with the other things for the purifying of the women. Now, uh, Brother Skinner uh, mentioned uh, yesterday of the seven things that happened when when you're saved by God's grace, and one of those is sanctification. He mentioned sanctification inwardly. And I think what God expects of us, uh, it begins there inwardly, and and it, 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 it comes outwardly till our whole being is consumed with Jesus Christ. Till we become more and more and more like Him. Now, in Ephesians 5, 24 and 27, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let your wives be to your own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present it to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So we see here uh, by the Word and by other uh, purposes and things that uh, transpire transpire in our life, uh, He is cleansing His bride and readying her, give her everything uh, that she needs to get to that place not sinless. We can't do that. But he does say, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. It's, it's not attainable, but we should be constantly trying to attain it. Amen. Above reproach. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. We find in Leviticus, For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. It is the responsibility of the bride to sanctify herself, to keep her clean and unspotted from the world. Now, First Thessalonians, I don't have time to, to read all of this. Uh, in the 14th, in the fifth chapter, in the fourteenth verse, now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the wicked, be patient toward all men, uh, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord. He's talking about coming for His bride. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Uh, But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Now, in the Galilean wedding, when the bride was taken to the groom's father's house, the bride and the groom would go into the wedding chamber to consummate their marriage. 
If it was proven that she is a virgin, the celebration would begin. If it was proven by the blood on the bedclothes, I don't have to go any further there. If it was proven that she was not, the marriage did not take place. Now, in James 4 and 4, it says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, I mentioned briefly our one verse of it when Paul was writing to the church of Corinth, 2 Corinthians 11, 1 and 4. It says, Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, least by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through her subtility, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom ye have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might bear well with him. What he's saying is, I've espoused you to one husband. What he's saying, I preach you the gospel. Are you united with uh, this church? You're members of this church. I've espoused you to one husband, and you're just about to take another. You're looking too fondly at the other one. It's preaching something else other than the true gospel of Jesus Christ. You're being too kind to him. Now, I want to make a statement here. The Lamb's wife will most certainly be a virgin. Now, I'm not talking about abstaining from marriage as, as Rome does, and they're not even good at abstaining from it and not marrying. There's a man once said, I, I've dedicated my life to celibacy like my father before me and his father before him. Idolatry is worship of anything other than God. Anything you put above God is idolatry, and that's spiritual adultery in, in, in my mind. That's what I'm talking about. Now, Mary and Joseph uh, were espoused to be husband and wife, and Joseph heard that she was with child. Now, we can find in the law in, in Deuteronomy 20. 22 and 20 through 24, what the law is for someone uh, that is espoused or betrothed uh, that, that breaks that covenant uh, and finds themselves with child or uh, even laying with someone else. They are to be stoned. But he being a just man sought to put her away privately. Now, From what he had, 
And the information he had at that time, he was justified in what he was doing. I want to talk about the church of Sardis. I'm, I'm rapidly running out of time. There were some things wrong in the church of Sardis. There were some things that they, uh, that they were doing, and the Lord rebuked them for it. But He said, Thou hast a few names even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Our Lord said, He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He also said, He that take hold of a plow and look on the back is not worthy of me. And that's not what I believe He is talking about. Many people begin good and, and fall by the way. And I'm like Brother Ron. I'm, I'm on guard. I don't want to... Don't want to be like that. And I'm not going to say I'm not. I won't. That's what Paul said. Don't need to say that you won't. Just be on guard and, and not do it. Now, in Proverbs 31 is a beautiful picture. You can find a virtuous woman. For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And brothers and sisters, that's who is going to be and the, uh, the Lamb's wife. Now, Philadelphia is the only church that didn't really have a rebuke from God. He commended them. The door's always open. But he said, I want to tell you one thing. He says, don't let another take your crown. And what that means is, we've got a crown that we can win, and we've got a crown that we can lose. What Paul say, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. Henceforth there is laid up for me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. Therefore, because of those things, I have a crown waiting for me and all those that love His appearing. Who loves His appearing? Those that are ready. That's what our Lord said many times. You watch. You pray. You be ready. And that's one of the responsibilities of the bride. In all regions, a wedding date was set ahead of time. Jerusalem, any, any other area but Macon County. We just did it whenever. This is on tape. I should say Galilee. In the Galilee wedding, a definite date was not set. The bride knew not the day or night the groom would come for her 
Neither did the groom, no. The father only knew the time. Don't that explain a whole lot of things? Why? Our Lord Jesus was not privy to that information. Neither the angel in heaven. For of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray. For you know not well, when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh at even or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. I don't know. The angels don't know. Only the Father in heaven knows. Uh, The uh, bride knew not the hour. She had gone through many months of preparing her dress and preparing herself Not only her dress, but her virtuous behavior above reproach that everyone in the city uh, could see. When the dress was finished, she could stay, she would stay ready continually. Think about it. When it got time for her to go to bed, what'd she do? She kept on her wedding dress. She slept in her wedding garment. For if he came to the door and knocked and she wasn't ready, it's called off. That's why our Lord stressed that fact so so many times in so many ways. You be ready. I don't know. I don't know when the Lord's coming back. You may think it's a thousand years, but I don't know. I don't know when it is. But it, it doesn't matter. In all ages, he expected his people to be ready. Right now, in an instant. Now, one night the groom would go in the chamber and he would lay down and he would go to sleep and his father would come in. I can see it now. Go get your bride. <laughs> Go get your bride. Uh, don't you know he's in heaven today with, waiting with great anticipation for that day, not knowing when the day is, but when it is. <sighs> when it is, he's going to rejoice. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. And it says that groom will come out of that house and he's going to blow a trumpet and he's going to blow it loud and everybody in that town is going to hear it. Talk about a racket. He says, I'm coming to you as a thief in the night. Be ready for me. And he'd have a procession that would go to 
the bride's house. Summons her. She had come out in her wedding garment. Ready, bright-eyed. They had a chair. And they had probably four men, one on each corner, holding the chair. He would take his bride and set her on that chair. And lift her up. <laughs> lift her up. You know what they call it? Flying the bride home. <laughs> I'll fly away, oh glory. Flying the bride home. Now, time's up. Uh, all those with wedding garments, and there were guests too, all those with the wedding garment that heard the trumpet, they wanted to go. That was the biggest event in the town, ever. There's always the marriage supper of the Lamb. They would take the bride in the door and everybody that was ready and if they weren't ready, shut the door. Does that sound familiar? They would go into their chamber. As I said earlier, they would consummate their marriage. And there was one standing just outside the door. The friend of the groom. The friend of the groom. When the groom would announce, and I don't know how he said or how he said it, I can just imagine him saying, she is found faithful. And it says that uh, the uh, friend of the groom would begin to rejoice. He began to tell all the wedding party, uh, she is faithful. Uh, it's time to party. <laughs> if you got a fatted calf, bring it out. And that's when John the Baptist joy is fulfilled. Revelation says, come hither, I will show you. I will show you thee, the bride, the Lamb's wife. Yet he showed them New Jerusalem. The city is symbolic of her beauty, her glory, 
and grandeur. It is the image of the Lamb's wife and her final glory. I don't know whether you believe that it was just imagery or if it's literal. I don't know. I'm sure there's different opinions about that here today. But it sure does sound like a nice place to be. In Proverbs 31, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest in all. Like I said, I have some serious doubts about me. I don't know. And hopefully the Lord's still working on me. And hopefully I get to the place where I need to be. But he's still got some work yet to do on me. And I hope I have time to do it. But if I don't, I'm going to look at that lamb's wife and I'm going to say, boy, isn't she beautiful. She brought me the gospel of Jesus Christ. She prayed for me and she rejoiced with me. When I was saved by God's grace, I'm not going to feel any remorse whatsoever to her and her husband be the honor and the glory throughout all ages, world without end. I'm finished. 